This episode is brought to you by the new podcast, We Are Family. We're happy to have them on board, making this show a possibility. Yes, we are. Shanti is going to make you sweat. Shanti! Shanti! <laughs> Nobody knows what we're talking about. They really don't. Shanti's a co-host, guys. Welcome to If These Ovaries Could Talk. I'm Jamie. I'm Robin. And we're your hosts. Let me show you. I am a lesbian. So gay. So gay. We need to tell our story. It's not your nuclear family anymore. It's not just your mom and dad. We're not ruining little humans. Not for the gay reason. Just because we stick. Hi. Hi, guys. Hello. Happy Pride. I am going to say that every single week. And you deserve to, Robin. I am. You deserve to. Damn it. It's Pride Month. Damn it. But on that note... But, but on the womp womp, that's the end of our celebrations, if you didn't catch that transition. <laughs> on that note, womp womp, Trump for the third year in a row has uh, failed to acknowledge Pride Month. Pride what a shocker. I'm so yeah, shocked. I mean, we're not but shocked, but he has, he has taken the time, folks, to proclaim June as National Homeownership Month. Really great idea <laughs> while people are losing houses. There's more. Go ahead. Great Outdoors Month. Sure, people can't go outside. Good one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Caribbean American Heritage Month, which is actually surprising because that's yeah, actually like, I know. That's so like very a surprising. I know. So, oh good wait, time. but also, did, Jamie, did you know that the White House managed to issue a statement recognizing June first as Global Coptic Day? What? what is, I don't. What that, I don't. What is Coptic? No, I, I don't know what that means. What is Coptic? I have what no idea Coptic? what that means. No what? idea. Somebody tell us what Coptic is. What Somebody that, write in to our social media feeds and tell us what Coptic means because we're too lazy to look it up. What in the actual hell <laughs> is happening in this world? By the way, Just, even at the end of your your res, your big resolution or whatever you want to call it about Coptic Day, couldn't at the end you just write, P.S. Happy Pride. Just yeah. come on. Just just try to pretend like you care about us a little bit. That's no, all. Stop trying to take away our adoptions. Cool. Oh, my God. Yeah, that too. <sighs> okay. Well, so it's pride, but we did want to, you know, Jamie and I've been talking on our live streams a lot about the Black Lives Matter movement and all the, you know, the the work that's being done about anti-racism. And, and you know, we first always want to say, you know, we recognize we're a couple of white ladies yes. that are talking, you know, from our points of privilege. Mm-hmm. but. You know, we just really wanted to talk about that with pride because it feels like I was reading this article that was talking about how um, we want to celebrate pride, but we also don't want it to overshadow the protests about racial injustice that are going on. Because, you know, one of the things that said in the article that 39 percent of all LGBTQ adults in the U.S. identify as people of color. I mean, so it's like there's this intersectionality between the two movements mm-hmm. and we, and we, we have to. Yeah, literally. Oh. Yeah. I see what you did there. It's like the theme of this episode, isn't it? But it's true. We are connected. We are all interconnected. And so there is, I feel like there is a responsibility on our part to obviously support the Black Lives Matter movement Mm -hmm. and also acknowledge that we are them. They are us. We are all, we're all included in this. Um, And there's something, there's something about pride happening at this time where it's like, we can go back to the original mission of pride that it was a rally and that it was it started a, it as was a, a fight for justice yeah and it was reading also i mean i i was reading a lot this week Jamie. So. <laughs> but the reclaim pride coalition they want to years this year's queer liberation march um actually have a physical march through the streets of manhattan on pride sunday and june 28th 
and it's going to center around black black lives and focus on the violence that are committed against black bodies by law enforcement as well as mass incarceration in the state. I think it's also interesting because last year was the first year that the queer liberation march happened mm-hmm. and it and it started it, they started it in protest to all the commercialization that has happened in the yep. regular pride march. Um, and they literally the big pride march went goes down 5th Avenue and they walked up 6th Avenue in They're protest. They're like I'll tell you what we're going in the other direction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's really, and I remember there was controversy about it and you and I even talked about it yeah. last year about, do we mind the commercialization? And I, I didn't mind the commercialization, um, just because I love to see support everywhere. Um, but yeah. I understand, I understand it. And, um, it's just really interesting now that this year, the only March is going to be that March. Yeah. I just think it's nice that like underneath it all, we know when it's time to get back. We're like, like the last couple of years have been celebrations and we've at least you and I, because we don't speak for other people, have been happy to say, okay, corporations, come on in, support us, you know, show mm-hmm. that you care about our community. But but now's not the time for that. Right. And right and now is the, now's the time to, to fight. Yeah. Now's the time yeah. for justice. Um, and we cannot talk about the Black Lives Matter movement and all of our um, brothers and sisters of color who are fighting for their rights and who are also LGBTQ if we didn't mention also our trans brothers and sisters who've been killed during this time, our black yep. trans brothers and sisters. And, and we need to make sure that we always say their names because their names are quite often not mentioned in the media. Not mentioned at all. It's overlooked. Yeah. So we need to say their names. We need to say Nina Pop. We need to say Tony McDade. And yep. we need to remind people when they're speaking of all the folks who've died in, these t- in this terrible struggle that they are important too. And, and we need to do what we can as moms too to, to work on talking about teaching our kids, you know, it's like, uh, I've started to use like the LGBTQ struggle as a parallel, not that it's the same, but at least it's an, it's an entry point that my kids could understand. Like I can say to them, you know how you guys feel being the only kids in the classroom that have two moms. Imagine being the only person of color when all of a sudden they start talking about racial issues. How would that feel? All the eyes on you. How, Mm -hmm. how would that feel? And it's like, it's something that my kids can understand. And so we've been, we, we watched that, um, the Brown bookshelf had this really amazing event where they talked to kids and it, 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 they also talked to adults later on, but it's, it's on their Facebook page. They recorded the zoom. So that's a really cool resource with your kids that you can, that you can dig into and, and watch with them. Yeah, totally. And that's a good way to, I think that's a good way to open up the conversation. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, and- like, like, like we said, we're like two white ladies. So what can we do? Well, I can focus on my kids. We can use pride as a march like Mm -hmm. like we just have to look around for all the ways that we can contribute to the conversation. Yeah, I think that's all I I know to do. I think I went in a little heavy on Rose. She's six. (laughs) And I I went like all in with, okay, this kid is going to be an anti-racist. I'm going to teach her everything. (laughs) I went too hard on I went in too hard. She's I think she's a little burnt out with all the all the racism things we've been talking about, um, which, you know, she should be because there are people in the world who are burnt out with it every day of their lives, but yeah. they can't escape it. Um, but I had her watch, um, and I think this is where I went a little too far on the first day. I, I had her watch that brown eye, blue eye experiment from, from back in the 60s. Right, um, right, that, right. That, yes. that third grade teacher, that teacher. Yeah. Jane Elliott, she, um, she did this experiment in her third grade classroom and she separated the kids with the blue eyes and the brown eyes. And she, the first day she said, blue eye, blue eyes are better than brown eyes. And yeah. you get all these, and they, she gave them all these privileges and she made the brown eyes feel like they were just not as, you know, just a, this big 
experiment. They were, se- they were in, second class citizens. Yeah. Um, and and then the next day she switched it and she said, yeah. no, brown eyes are better than blue eyes. And then the ones who were on the bottom had to wear this collar all day and they didn't get it. It's, re- it's just really interesting. And it was really, it's really poignant. And if you haven't seen it, you should watch it because yeah, in like two w- seconds, it was Lord of the Rings or Lord yeah. of the Flies. I said watching, Lord of the Rings. <laughs> watching these kids kind of turn on each other so quickly yeah. was yeah. eye opening and really it's really sad but rose Um, had 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 it it was too much for her but she was was, at first she was watching it she was into it and then at one point she goes mom i I don't want to watch this (laughs) (laughs) and i forced her to finish it and like you will watch this rose you will not be racist i know Um, i went in hard so i gave her a little break and but we're going to we're going to keep the conversation going. Constantly. That's it. Like anything we talk about with parenting and with LGBTQ issues, uh, you just have to keep the conversation going. It just, mm-hmm. you know, it's it, it's not a one day thing. Yeah. And we're lucky because <sighs> even in, in our gay lives, we can pass. We can pass. We can mm-hmm. hide if we want to. Yeah. Yep. And black people, people of color cannot. They can't yep. hide. They can't hide it. So it's in right, their enough, face enough from us two white ladies. I know. OK, stop. Stop. Everybody's like, shut up, you two. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Anyway. Let's let's take a minute just before we get into our interview to say thank you to all the new folks who have been joining us in our Patreon community. I Jamie and I are just like, we can't even believe the support and we're so thankful. You're really showing up for us, guys. And it was really hard to ask for you to show up for us. But so we're... a special thank you to our new Patreon members who are Christine Glass, Michaela Osimo, and Nadja Rona. Rona. I hope Rona. I said those names. Those are cool names. And and you guys out there, if you want to join our Patreon community, you're going to get bonus content, um, like videos, swag for joining. You're just going to head to patreon.com slash ovaries talk. And we're also putting up unedited ad-free videos for some of our interviews at the gestational carrier level. Yeah, because we're clever and we came up with fun names like we that sure for the did. different levels. Sometimes um, yeah, we're clever. Ad-free, guys. Ad-free. Um, all right. So let's all talk right. about who is in our interview today, Robin. Yes, Rachel Rapino. Rachel Rapino. Rachel Rapino. Mm-hmm. You okay? I mean, so exciting. You might know her as the twin sister of soccer star Megan Rapino, and but, they really are. They look alike. A oh lot my god, alike. so much alike. They're they're yeah. fraternal, not identical. Yeah. But she's also a soccer player in her own right. She played professionally, internationally. That was hard to say. Professionally, internationally. I got it out, though. You did. You did. She's an awesome, awesome person to talk to. She is also a business owner, and she's one of the founders of Mendico, which uh, is a company that empowers athletes um, with the healthiest tools to recover better. So we're going to talk up a little bit about that, and and I'm really excited about the products she makes, and I can't wait to try them. And you Helen! <laughs> sorry. Shh. Helen. Go ahead, Go ahead sir. Helen, I'm- Roll the tape! I'm I'm almost done with the intro. Like she just always tries to cut me off. Why does Helen do that to me all the time? Shh. Helen. Okay. She's all right. Got the let's, hook. All right, right. Let's roll the tape. Let's roll the tape. Wait. Now, Helen. <laughs> now. Helen. Oh, okay. Right, Helen. All right. Rachel Orpino. Hi, Rachel. Hi. Hi. How's it going? I mean, it's going. <laughs> Thank you for having me on your show. I'm pumped to be here. Oh my God. We're We're so so glad glad to hear you here. We're all, you know, social distancing. So we're coming, we're coming together via Zoom, all of us. Yeah. Yeah. And where are you? You're in Portland. I'm in Portland, Oregon. Yeah. From California originally, but this is definitely my home now. I've been up here on and off for about 14 years, which is crazy to say that it's, I'm just, you know, getting older and older. 
I know, it's crazy how time flies. I'm from California, too. Oh, really? Where are you from, Rachel? I'm from, like, Northern California, Redding. I know Redding. Yeah, everyone knows Redding. Anyone from California is always like, yeah, I've driven through it once. Yes. Oh my God. That's what people say about my hometown. I'm from Homer, New York. And everyone always goes, I think I got gas there. Yeah. Well, for the longest time, Reading, up until just like a couple of years ago, Reading was like the most Northern In-N-Out burger. Have you guys, you've heard of In-N-Out, obviously. Yeah, right? yeah. of course. And so that's where people would go to get In-N-Out, especially like people in Oregon and Washington, they drive all the way down to Reading just to get In-N-Out and then turn around and go home. That's amazing. I don't get the In-N-Out thing. Like, I mean, I've had In-N-Out, it's fine, but I'm not driving hours for an In-N-Out burger. Like, I don't understand the love of it. Yeah, I mean, I don't love burgers enough, but I don't know. Maybe I'm biased. I think it's pretty incredible. All right, so it's it's time. It's time. It's time time. for Rachel to give us her elevator pitch. 30 seconds. On your mark, get set, go. I am from very humble beginnings, blue-collared, loving family, one of the youngest of six. I'm a twin and uh, very close to my family. They taught me everything. I do everything for them. In terms of my, you know, relationships, I would say I'm annoyingly that like steady Eddie person. (laughs) I, you know, try not to be too high or too low. So, you know, my girlfriend uh, has enough emotions for the both of us. And, you know, I guess I I try to be the rock that she needs. Well done. 32.04 seconds. You did it. You did it. I was nervous. (laughs) there's something about the timer so we didn't used to do the timer and then rosie o'donnell was like you need a timer she was like that doesn't work it it doesn't doesn't work that segment's not working and we were like if rosie o'donnell tells you to do something you do it you do it yeah totally okay so tell us about being one of six and a twin well it's funny i mean first of all it's great i love being from a big family we're totally wild we're all very different you know, good, bad, and indifferent. We were very colorful, I guess. Um, in terms of like being a twin, we're the youngest of six. And I, I have to continually remind my sister that we're both the youngest, not just her. <laughs> oh. And it's like, until just a couple of years ago, she just has always seen herself as like the youngest of six. And I'm like, no, we're both the youngest. Like, just because be I'm 11 minutes older doesn't mean that I'm like the older sister. Okay. Oh Give God. me that. So I've never... I've never actually had the experience of being the youngest one uh, because, of course, Megan, you know, she takes the cake. She loves being the youngest. (laughs) Your your twin sister is Megan Rapino. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So she she does what she wants. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I don't know if you guys like are friends with a lot of twins, but the whole older younger twin thing, it actually kind of like does mean something, especially we're 11 minutes apart, which is like kind of a long time in, in the twin world. And yeah, I mean, for some reason, like, I just totally assumed the older sister role. She, I've just always been a little bit more that's organized, a little bit more on top of stuff, you know, take initiative. Uh, you know, she kind of struggled definitely in like junior high, a little bit of high school. So she was very much kind of my shadow. And I don't know, I guess I just assumed the role of, you know, taking care of her. So, okay. I'm curious, like who came out first? Did you both know you were, did you, first yeah, of all, I have to ask how you identify. Oh my gosh. I in my wanna... head, I was thinking like came out the womb. I thought you wanted us to tell our birthing story. <laughs> okay. So we've moved forward 19 we're, we're years. Jumping forward just a little bit. Oh, okay. Cause there is, there was a story there too, but we can, we oh, can jump forward. Tell it. No, tell it. Tell it. Well, it's just this funny story. This is totally like me and Megan in a nutshell. It's like the last two months of my mom's pregnancy, Megan had me shoved under my mom's right <laughs> lung and she was just basically taking up the whole womb. 
And that's exactly how she sleeps. Like if we ever have to share a bed, I mean, make just takes the whole bed, all the sheets are in disarray, and I'm just like in one little corner of the bed. But that's how we were for the last two months. And then as soon as my mom dilated, I was out of there. I was like, give me the hell out of here. I have no room. And then, you know, pregnancy stopped. Megan just was chilling and they had to like crash the birth and it was this whole thing. And that's why 11 minutes went by. So she wow. just was not coming out. She's not coming out. Yeah. She, she just wanted the whole thing to herself and, you know, <laughs> relish in it. And, you know, I would say that's pretty much us in a nutshell. That's oh amazing, my God, that's amazing. That's yeah. amazing. So like Robin asked, how do you identify? Lesbian. Same with Meg. Meg and I had the queer conversation a couple months ago, but I think she identifies as gay. I mean, as a lesbian. Yeah. Instead of Yeah, queer. you never know in this day and age. Yeah. Some people don't want to call themselves lesbians. They don't want to call themselves gay. I, I you know. I know. So. Both Jamie and I use lesbian and gay. It like, you know, interchangeably. Yeah, so And I. it's not a lot of people do though now. It's like a lot of the younger people are saying queer. And so we try to be respectful, but it's, it's a lot to try to figure so we out. We try to ask. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I always just say I'm gay. Yeah. Yeah, me too. So you're both gay. Yeah, both gay. Like, how did that? I mean, I, not how did that happen, but. <laughs> well, even backtracking, like, gays are everywhere, right? I mean, I truly believe mm -hmm. that, like, 50% of the world is gay, whether you're out or not. So, you know, I come from a big family. My mom's one of eight, her mom is one of 12. So, I'm sure we have a lot of LGBTQ representatives in the family, whether they're out or not. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, I think it just comes down to like a numbers game. But yeah, I have right. an older sister who dated women for a while. She's now married to a man. But Megan and I are definitely the most like out loud and proud for sure. Mm. It's interesting. It's interesting that, yes, you know, there might be 50% of the population who is on the gay spectrum. But in your family, three of you at least, of the siblings um, were out and and um, open about it, which yeah. doesn't happen all the time. Yeah, definitely. And I think for my sister, uh, my older sister, she lived in San Diego for a long time. So that obviously helps when you get out of like a small rural town to find out who you are. Megan and I played soccer here at the University of Portland. And pretty much as soon as we got out of Reading and we came here and we started Again, just seeing representation in not only in the sports world, but in academia and just like out and about, it became very clear that, you know, for all these years that we weren't quite connecting with boys, that there was probably a reason for that. <laughs> so I did, I started dating someone like right away, uh, but kept oh. it a secret for a year. And then it finally kind of came to a head and we were breaking up. And of course, she's my first. So it was like the most devastating thing in the whole world and very painful. And so then uh, I ended up telling Megan. Oh, you didn't even tell Megan about. No, because we grew up in Christianity and like, I didn't have language for it. I just knew that it was mm. wrong. So, oh. yeah. How, That's hard. How was yeah. it in, in your house? Like, how was it for your parents having, you know, like you might really believe that 50% of the world is gay, but your Christian parents, I'm going to just go out on a limb and assume maybe they didn't feel that way. And I'm wondering mm -hmm. like how that, how that was in your house. Maybe it was wonderful. No, it wasn't. It uh, it was not well received at first. Now it's wonderful and it's totally fine. And I don't I, I don't know if they agree with my statistics, um, but mm -hmm. they it was tough. It was really tough. And I think a huge, you know, a huge reason for that and a reason why it's still an issue in society is because we don't talk about it. It's not normalized. There's not equal representation everywhere you look. It's pretty much the same picture. It's it's white. It's heterosexual and. You know, honestly, it's white hetero male too. Um, mm -hmm. 
and that it that needs to change because agreed otherwise this conversation this issue is never going to move forward and there's never going to be true equality it's so true it's so true that's why even like seeing your sister you know win knowing that she's gay knowing that there are gay members on that team is like one of the main reasons i watch the game yeah <laughs> because totally. i'm so i'm so proud of the gays on the yeah. team you know well because yes. like I, i'm older than than you and i you know i played a sport in college but i remember there was a real stigma of like if you're an athlete in college or you're an athlete as a female you wanted to like make sure you weren't perceived as gay like that was a real, like a real thing. And so for to have so many members of that team be so out and proud, I think is really wonderful. It is, but it's not enough, right? Like there's not right. enough athletes in other sports that are represented. And this is just on the women's side. I mean, I can't True. even imagine being gay, bisexual, transgender on the men's side. No. That obviously still is very much in the dark yeah. and very painful for a lot of men which just makes me really sad, honestly. And, you yeah. know, I just, I, I just hope that more people, more athletes, more leaders can come forward and talk about sexuality and normalize it. And so that way, young kids, such as your guys' kids, can grow up dreaming and, you know, seeing all of these different types of people in the world, and they can grow up, you know, seeing that image and, and wanting to emulate that. It's so true. Representation matters. Normalization, it's, you're right on. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's like the whole point of our podcast is just to make sure people can see our families and to see that we are just like your family. Mm -hmm. you know? Same. Yeah. Same but different. Yeah, same, same but same. different. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And we, you know, we'll get into this about having a family. Like, you know, I don't have a family. Is that something that I want? I don't know, honestly, because I don't, I haven't seen a lot of same-sex couples go through it and come out on the other side with these like grown-up kids and right. it's, it's normal. It's okay, you know? Maybe I'm just naive, but I just haven't seen it. Well, because it's not out there. That's why we created this podcast. Yeah. yeah. So your first thing to do is, is just go listen to all the episodes on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and, then you, and, then you'll have, and then you'll have some idea of the yes. families. But no, it's not out there. They're not there. No. It's no, not I mean, there was, in the world. There was Rosie. And then, I mean, Ellen came out but didn't have kids. No. Like, there was, I mean, Melissa Etheridge. But that was made a spectacle of, to a certain extent, with the uh, Crosby, Crosby connection. Yeah. You know, because it was just like, what? Like, that's, you know, it, they had like a whole, that's weird. And then her wife went back to men. Like, there was all that, you know, they were tasked with being, I don't know, what's the right word, Jamie? Like Trailblazers. Yes. But also um, like, like for a, a view for everyone because there mm -hmm. weren't enough different representation. Like, there wasn't enough people for people to go, oh, that's just their family. Right. Yeah. Do, you know, nobody, do you know what I mean? Nobody was out there. But I do want to take it back to when you told, so you're, you were dating this girl in college, you break up, you finally tell your sister, how did she react? Because she's gay too, but she doesn't know it. So how did she react when you told her? She was really surprised, but then I think pretty much immediately she told me that like she has a crush on a girl and she's gay too. <laughs> so it was kind of like, oh, okay. So we've both been hiding this thing for about a year. You know, we were both scared. We just didn't know. And I was definitely much more religious at the time. I'm not religious anymore, but at the time I was much more religious than Megan. She pretty much like shelved that when she went to college, but I was like still going to church and very spiritual in that way. So I think she was scared to tell me, obviously not knowing that I had just been dating a woman for the past year, but yeah, it was pretty liberating for us. And once Megan told me, she was like, okay, I'm gay. This is who I am. And then she like was on that path. Whereas for me, it still took 
you know, another probably like five or six years, maybe five years. Like once I graduated college at age 24, because I had redshirted because I tore my ACL, uh, that year I was kind of my like reconciling myself, like putting the final lid on, you know, that journey. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. I want to dig into the the religion aspect. Like you both came from the same exact household. Mm -hmm. You held on to your religion, your spirituality. Megan kind of let it go earlier than you. Mm -hmm. But then you ended up letting it go eventually. So I just, I, I don't come from a religious background. So it's something I'm always grappling to understand. What is it that that keeps you in it or are some people pull away from quickly? I mean, for you personally, what do you think it was that held you so strongly to it for so long? Well, I think, you know, when you're in that environment, it's just all that you know. It took me years to unpack the philosophies, the value systems, the belief, the indoctrinations, I guess, if you will. It just took me a long time to unpack that because, again, if you, like, turn away from God, you think you're going to hell, which, yeah, like, who wants to go to hell, you know? Right. So it really, it comes down to just like the fear. There's just so much fear instilled in religion. And I think like it's rooted and founded in these wonderful pillars of love and treating others as you want to be treated and kindness and selflessness, like all of that is great, but it's been wrapped in this box of fear. It's just bordered by fear in every way that you look. And that is the oppressive part. And that's the part that, you know, can be very hypocritical and, and judgmental. And, you know, that's, that's the part of religion that it doesn't always feel so good. Yeah. How do you have religion in your, in your life now or don't you? No, I don't have religion. I have a lot of mindfulness. That's, I guess my, my new religion is being present and, you know, Mm -hmm. leading with love and uh, a lot of meditation movement, but no, I don't follow, I don't subscribe to any particular religion. What was it that made you finally say, okay, I'm done with this? I think at age 27 was when I finally let it go. And I think I was just, you know, it was an exhausting journey of wanting to just like be happy and be true to who I am, but never quite feeling accepted by the church. Um, You know, I'd walk in and and I had short hair and, you know, I, I guess I looked more gay than straight. So I'd walk into this church and even though they like are preaching that they love and accept everyone, I'd walk in and out of the church and like not a single person would say hi. I just felt so alone in the church. And when I looked around at that time, I was age 27 and I looked around at like all of my friends and all of the people who I know would be there for me in an instant. And none of them were my Christian friends. They were all friends that I had just met, you know, either some through high school or some through work or just like living my life here in Portland who didn't subscribe to any type of religion other than just like being kind and being loving and like truly living that every day. Those were the people that I knew that would be there for me. It was not the people that were like in the church. Mm-hmm. And that was really my epiphany, honestly. Like, oh, That's interesting. these are my true friends. The, this is what actual love is, you know? Yeah. Right. Right. Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad you had that epiphany and I'm glad you got where you got to because you seem very happy. Yeah, I am. It was a huge weight off my shoulders. Uh, you know, you're, I was just constantly living in this like guilt. Yeah. Yeah. I'm always interested in how people can have religion and be gay at the same time. And we've had a, a couple of interviews with people like a, a pastor's husband and another couple and they were like both like deacons in their church and they that and, and both they, religious. yeah very religious and, and it worked for them but 
it's 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 really hard to get your head around that 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 those two things can go together yes yeah i think that both of those both of those couples we talked to though talked about finding the right church Church, one of them went and found the right one and then the other ones created their own yes yes (laughs) you know yeah, I mean, and there definitely are some very open churches out there, and I'm sure it can be done. For me, it was too difficult because I just felt like every way I looked, there was just hypocrisy or oppression or yep. fear at just every turn. And so it wasn't just the gay thing. It was just, it was kind of everything. You know, it was the oppression of women. It's like this systemic racism. It was just so many other issues that I just, I couldn't, I couldn't get behind, you know? Mm-mm. Yeah. Can't reconcile that. Yeah. Jamie, Mm -hmm. um, I have to tell everybody that we have a new podcast that we want to share with them. It's called We Are Family. Oh, yes, I know. I know. And if you listen to our podcast, Mm -hmm. chances are that you have a non-traditional family or you know someone who has one or you're thinking of starting one or you like to hear stories about family, <laughs> or you're an LGBT or a Q, or you're uh, a straight Jamie, ally, Jamie, Jamie, I, I or think you're a single parent. I, I think they got it. Are you, are you finished? I know. I like, to, I like to cover all the bases. Okay, they're covered. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Look, all, all I know, and this is what I can say about this podcast, is having somewhere to go is home, right? And having someone to mm-hmm. love is family. And these days, whether it's a two-parent, a single-parent, multi-generational, or a blended family, all those families that Jamie mentioned, Our families really do mean everything. (laughs) Everything. And on We Are Family, the new podcast from Parents Magazine, celebrity fitness entrepreneur and outspoken LGBTQ parent and friend of ours, Sean T. (gasps) Sean T is going to make you sweat. Yes. He joins Parents Magazine editor Julia Dennison to deliver honest conversations about the modern family in 2020. We are. Sounds wonderful. It does, right? We're so glad they Mm -hmm. created this podcast because the more that we talk about our out-of-the-box families, the more we're recognized. So you guys just listen to We Are Family on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Yeah, go listen. Support non-traditional family podcasts. And Shanti and and his (laughs) co-host, Julia. Let's give her one, too. Julia! Julia! Sounds weird. Okay. All right. Sounds okay. Good day. We Are Family. we just started to touch on on kids and you said you didn't see anything out there for you like where do you fall on having kids and and you know and and, but Jamie and I will be the first person to be like don't do it (laughs) (laughs) we kid we we love those kids we we love them a lot no we love our kids generally you know it's a lot of work Um, yeah I'm sure like where where do you land on that and like do you feel like in the same way I'm, I'm making a parallel to the church though that like that it's opened up for you and if you wanted to it's there or it's not like what are your feelings on that well, right now during this pandemic, I'm really grateful that I don't have kids. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know. We're grateful for it. you too. I know my co-founder Brett Schrager has two kids under the age of seven, and I don't know. You it's know, hard. it's just tough. It's like I look around, and this is not to be offensive. I'm just no, we're be just, offensive. We're talking, right? Yeah. But I look around, and I'm like, God, everyone with kids, like it looks so hard, and. <laughs> They, you know, I know that like, I've heard, you know, there's, there, you, you don't know love until the love of your, until you experience the love of your own kid. And I'm sure that that's true. But then I see all these other things that they have to go through. And I'm like, I just don't know that that's going to make me happy. You know? Don't so you wonder I'm, if the person who said that actually had children? Yeah. Like, don't you, don't you wonder that? 
<laughs> I don't know. Well, I feel like I feel like I have two kids, and I feel like I knew love before them. I did. <laughs> <laughs> I had plenty of love. Yeah. Yeah, but it is interesting because you know nowadays the gays are having babies, mm-hmm. yeah. and it's something that you can ask yourself now realistically. Whereas twenty years ago, it wouldn't have been such a prevalent question. Yeah. But you have a girlfriend now. Yep. Yeah, we've been together for almost three years, two and a half years. So is this the part where you give us like the secret that you're going to propose and like, and we know it and our listeners know it, but she doesn't know it. Is that, is that what's happening? No, that's not what's happening. No. <laughs> <laughs> nice no. try, Robin. <laughs> I mean, come on. Uh, no, she plays professional soccer. She's still very much in her career. She's five years younger and I'm, I'm five years delayed in maturity. So luckily we're at the same level. And I think in my like romantic maturity, you know, and you see that too. It's always an interesting thing with same-sex couples or with, sorry, with someone who identifies as gay or lesbian or whatever, like, because it took, at least me, I'll speak for myself. It took me so long to find out, to, to be comfortable with who I am and be comfortable dating women. Like you're talking about your mid twenties, where it's like straight people, they start dating people through their teens and through their twenties. Yeah. And so they're just like ready, I guess, maybe to settle down before, I don't know, mm. maybe that's just maybe. a societal norm, but I just feel like I'm like delayed a little bit. No, I think that's really actually a really, really great thought. Yeah. It takes us, like all of us started all having us. kids later yeah. than our heterosexual. Like I have friends from high school whose kids have kids of their own, you know, yeah. and I have a two-year-old and a six-year-old. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a really interesting idea that part of the reason why we're so delayed is because we have to grapple with our sexuality mm-hmm. And, and how we're going to live our lives in our 20s. Yeah, if you're not yes. in a good place with your sexuality, that first relationship is a hot mess. Yeah, you know? I mean, look yeah. who you're attracting. Yeah. You don't even know what's good for you. So, of oh course, you're God. attracting all the wrong people. And yeah. mine was similar to yours in that I was lying to all the people close to me. It was like, I'm not going to tell you the whole story because it's like nobody's got that kind of time. But it involves, I made her change her name for my friends because I was afraid they were going to find out. And she wasn't telling people. We weren't telling people. And it was like, this is the most like ridiculous thing ever. Yet she was coming and sleeping in the same bed with me. My friends were like, we have friends who are gay and we like them. And I was like, good for you. Cause yeah, I wasn't totally. ready. I know. But it was like, amazing. It was like, I mean, that girl tried to jump out of my car while we were driving. Like that's the kind of like relationship we were having. Like, I know. I know. That's, yeah. You're not having kids at that point. Yeah. No, from my first relationship in college, we were, we weren't together. We were actually still going on dates with men. We were just oh best God. friends. Of course you were. With benefits. You wanted to spend a lot of time together. (laughs) Slept together every night. Yeah. (laughs) Weren't dating though. So, so kids are probably not likely, possibly like you, no idea. Well, I mean, if my back's against the wall and I have to answer this question, (laughs) I would say, here's the thing about me. I've never felt like I need to have kids to complete my life or my, my love circle. Maybe it's because I'm, there's so many damn people in my families and we're not all like, you know, we're all over the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I'm like, do we really need to bring another one of us in the world? I don't know. I don't know how it's going to turn out. So it could be that like, there's enough of us, but I think also, I've just always felt like there's enough kids in the world and like, there's too many kids that need a loving, safe home. So if I'm going to raise a child, I don't feel like it needs to be my own. I want to like help society i want to help my city i want to like take in some kids who you know who would like need it much more than mm-hmm. just my need for wanting to have like another me you know 
Yeah. That's very noble of you. Yeah. Well, see, I mean, you know, that's kind of, I would, I would definitely, I've always wanted and been interested in, in adopting or fostering to adopt for sure. Um, I got a few more years though, I think. Yeah. But, that's the thing. You have take time. a lot of time. Take all the time. <laughs> <laughs> you have time. You don't need to rush into any of that. Yeah. We're yeah. not here to rush you to kids. No, God, no. And if you want to help out, you can take mine for like yeah, a week. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. Like if you, well, you know, you're, we're in a pandemic, so I wouldn't want to like, you know, we'll, we'll start in 2021. We'll do, we'll do fall. You'll take Jamie's kids spring. You'll take mine. It'll be great. I don't It'll, like where this interview is going. Teach them soccer. <laughs> My kids need to be more athletic. Let's okay, do this. I'll teach them I, some I feel soccer. This is good. This is good. I do want to know. So you play soccer too. You all, do, do all the siblings play soccer? No, it was uh, my older brother, Brian. You know, I have two older brothers, two older sisters, and then it's myself and Megan. The next oldest from us is five years older. His name's Brian. And he was a little bit of a rebel child. He's an addict, actually. So he's like been in and out of prison for a long time. But anyway, we mm. totally idolized him. And he started playing soccer. And so we kind of just started playing. And then I think Megan and I definitely both have the personality of like, let's do what not everyone else is doing. And in Reading, soccer wasn't a huge sport. And so we just kind of fell in love with it. We also had a lot of energy and like, there's a lot of running in soccer. So I think my yeah. parents were like, yeah, there really go, is. go run. Get out, go. Yeah. yeah. What age, what age did you guys start playing? Like five, six years old. We started playing rec and then we, you know, we were like getting better and better. And then by the age of 10, we were actually pretty good. And there was a traveling, like a competitive boys team that would go down and play in Sacramento Bay Area and stuff. And that was a U-12 boys team. So it was a little bit older than us, but we ended up making it. And so we played on a traveling boys team at age 10 and 11. And then that team kind of like broke up. And then we played on a competitive team in Reading, a girls team. Then that team broke up. And then we finally at age 14 went down and played on a premier team in Sacramento. And that's where we played all through high school. Wow. Yeah. It's amazing. I got to get my daughter playing soccer. She's a lot <laughs> of energy. And she's six. It's time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it helped too. We were like from rural California. We actually grew up a little bit outside of writing in a tiny town called Palisadro. And it still to this day only has one stoplight. And they only put I that know. in because they put a high school in. And we grew up on five acres. So we just like, we just ran a lot. We played basketball. That was definitely at times our first love for sure. But we just... Hmm weren't that tall. I didn't get blessed with the, with the tall <laughs> yeah, gene. Me either. I'm also jealous that you have a gay twin sister. It's like, yeah, it's cool. I always wanted really to be cool. a twin. I always wanted to be a twin, just to have someone there all the time. Yeah. It's, uh, it's truly like the greatest gift anyone yeah. could have ever given me. Uh, I get emotional talking about it. Uh, you know, it makes me sad when I hear about some twins not being close, but for Megan, I like couldn't be further from the truth. We are just, we've always been each other's best friends and um, kind of like other half you know? Yeah. I'm jealous. It's a little late for you, Jamie, to have a twin. I mean, I, th I think that ship sailed. So you, when you came out of soccer, like you've started a company and I wanted to hear a little bit about that. Yeah. Well, Megan and I had a different company before this and we ran that for about five years. And then I closed the doors December 31st of this past year because I started Mendy about a year and a half ago. And Mendy is a cannabis sports brand. I'm always going to be in the sports world. I come from the exercise science background. That's what I did previously. I love working with athletes. I love connecting the dots to like optimizing performance, but not just on the field, just like staying on top of your game all day. Mm -hmm. That is definitely something that interests me. And cannabis is just such an exciting space to work in. You know, it's so very regulated, yeah. unfortunately, and very restricted. But I love the challenge of it. 
and ultimately it's just like fun and very rewarding making products that are good for people that like actually do good in the world, you know? So what kind of products do you have? So we sell basically like the whole gamut of recovery products. We sell soft gel capsules. We sell gummies. We have a massage oil. So all of our topicals are proprietary blends. We have a baseline, which is just CBD only. We had to extract all the other cannabinoids, all the THC, because professional athletes can't have anything but CBD in their system. Right. And then we have a core line, which is the full spectrum hemp line, which has all of the other wonderful cannabinoids in there and 0.3% or less of THC. And then we actually have a, a cream that we're launching. I used a CBD cream recently yeah, and I used it I. I used it for after my workouts, yes, for soreness, but I cool. also used it for my period cramps. Oh yeah. And it helped. For sure. Yeah. I hardly take any, my over-the-counter med use has dropped probably like 85% since I started using CBD consistently. What, what got you into this field? Well, a couple of reasons. Again, I love working with athletes and athletes have been using this for years. I also have had a lot of experience with opiates in my life. I've had multiple knee injuries and I first started taking opiates when I was 21 because I had an ACL reconstructive surgery. Mm-hmm. And we've just seen for years, athletes using the, those types of pills or Ambien for sleep or over-the-counter meds or super high dosages of anti-inflammatories like Celebrex. And that stuff is just not good for you. And there's this yeah. like all natural, healthy plants and herbs, because we put a lot of herbs and other whole plant elements into our blends. That is so much better for your long-term health. And it does the same thing. You know, I mean, yeah. there's a time and a place for opiates couple days after surgery, if you've had an invasive surgery, yeah, of course you're in a ton of pain and cannabis isn't necessarily going to mitigate all of that. But, you know, I mean, you shouldn't be on them for three weeks. You know, I mean, I was on, I was on a couple of different stints of opiates for like month long stints. And after a few days, like your brain starts to become addicted to it. Yeah. I was on an opiate for like a week after my C-section and I, I, I think I got a little addicted to it. I wanted more. I called to get more. Yeah. And thank God. <laughs> they were like, no, Jamie. They said no. And I cried on the phone. I was in a lot of pain. My <laughs> boobs hurt because breastfeeding wasn't going thing. well. She had but, a whole thing. Yeah, I had a whole thing. But I cried on the phone to this nurse. Please, please. Like, I, it's crazy. Those yeah. drugs are bad. Yes. Oh, yeah. They're so, so bad. addictive. They start yeah. to change the, the chemical balance in your brain after just a few days. Yeah. Ugh, it's bad. Yeah. Your products, you can buy them Across Online. the country, yeah, right. Totally. Anybody can buy them, even Anyone if you, can buy them. even if pot is not legal in your particular state, you can still buy these products. Yes, because the hemp farm bill passed in 2018, which which federally legalized hemp. Right. You can cross state borders. You can ship it anywhere. So we're actually 100 percent online, which thankfully with this pandemic good thing. has worked <laughs> in our favor. We were like slowly going to roll out a wholesale business uh, this spring, but luckily we like weren't too far into it. So all of our hemp products, you can order and we can ship them to any doorstep in the United States. It's amazing. Tell people where they can order them. So our website is www.themindyco.com. We go by Mindy, but someone's sitting on Mindy.com and we can't <laughs> buy it. So it's The Mindy Co. People always call us The Mindy Co., but we're actually just Mindy. 
for the stressed out mothers out there, do you have anything like a rub for the temples or <laughs> just like under the nose to help or the... sleep or something you can put on your chil- under your children's nose to make them sleep? <laughs> yeah, totally. We have our south stick, which is incredible. I rub that on my temple or just smell it because it's got menthol in it. So it just kind of like opens oh, up the airways. Mm. Our massage oil is incredible as well, which has like a nice kind of like sandalwood soothing smell to it. Both those don't get into the bloodstream. So you can run those wherever we're mowing kids. It's exciting. Well, I feel like the two main takeaways from this are one, you're getting engaged and having children really soon. <laughs> and two, the fall and the spring, you're taking our kids, right? right. I feel like I feel like that's happening. Also that you're amazing and that too. you and that you have this like special bond with your other gay twin, which mm-hmm. is like super which Jamie's cool. jealous of. I'm so jealous. Jamie wants to be a twin and wish that she was a global soccer star. These are these <laughs> are the, those are the two takeaways that I yeah. got. Yeah. And I have never played a sport in my life. So yeah. there you oh, go. Oh, really? I used to sit and make daisy chains in the baseball field. No. When, I, when they would put me out in like no. left field, that's what I would do. I would make daisy uh-huh. chains. I'm not, no, sporty, no. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today and for um, being patient with all our idiocy. We, we've loved chatting with you. <laughs> I loved being here. It's great to meet you girls. I love what you're doing. You know, thank you for representing us gays. Yeah, you too. Thank you. Oh, Oh, come on. Rachel. I'm fascinated by all the, the twin talking about like just twin culture. But like the idea that she's a bigger sister when they're twins, like I know that seems very apropos of Megan Rapinoe, though. I think that's kind of funny. I think it comes down to personalities. Sure does. Yeah. It's well, an anyway, eight. she was great. Uh, we hope you enjoyed that interview. We enjoyed it. We sure did. <laughs> we enjoy all our interviews, though, don't we, Jamie? Yep. Yep. <laughs> Every single one. Every single one is special. They're like our babies. Go out and check out Mendico. It, it sounds like they're up to some really good stuff. So everybody mm-hmm. should go check them out. Get and, some products. You know, while you're checking things out, what else should they check out, Jamie? They should um, check out our book. Uh, yeah. Our Kindle book is is on pre-sale order right now. You can pre-sale. You can pre. <laughs> you got this. You, you can got this. Pre-order our Kindle book right now. Go ahead and do that. And then also look out for it to come out on September 22nd. It's going to be out there. It's going to be everywhere. You just won't be able to avoid it. So you might as well. Just- you sure you can't. You might as well just succumb. Yeah. Um, and also we started some <laughs> partnerships to offer our listeners discounts. So our first one is with Mira and they make this fabu ovulation <laughs> and fertility tracker. Uh, and you can get 25 bucks off the starter kit. So go to ovariestalk.com and you're going to get that discount. Okay. Yeah, folks? go do it. Track those ovaries, guys. And, and let's let's keep the conversation going. Join us on the social. Please do. Find us on Ovaries Talk on Twitter. You can find us at ovaries underscore talk on Instagram. And if these ovaries could talk on Facebook, you can also join our community there and you can talk to other listeners, which is always a great thing to do. You can also join our community on Patreon at patreon.com slash ovaries talk. And you're going to get bonus content there and ad free episodes. True. And you can subscribe to us on YouTube now and catch up on all our Ovaries Talk live streams that we do on Facebook on Wednesday and Friday. And we have so to much. send a special thank you to our sponsor, the new podcast, We Are Family, for helping us make the show possible. We thank you. And let's say it together, Jamie. Shanti! Shanti! <laughs> Julia! We love, okay. We love Shanti. I work out to Shanti like every day. No you joke. do. You do. I, I don't. I love Shanti. Um, but everybody out there, stay healthy, stay sane, stay away from everyone. Yeah, don't, don't touch, touch your, your face. face. <laughs> <laughs> Helen, stop touching. Helen, 
Don't oh, touch God, her that, face. Helen's been touching her face 24-7. I can't She's with picking her. picking her nose. She doesn't She's want to listen. picking her nose right Listen, now. Helen knows best, Jamie. Don't don't get in the way of her. I know. All right, oh, Helen. Eggs. Love you, Helen. <laughs> Ovaries. Out. That was Helen. No. <laughs> no, Helen would be like, out. Like, she, no, well, you should do my Catherine like Hepburn. Out. It's, yeah, it's going to be like, out. And then you hear on the side of a house. And then you hear the big... <laughs> and that's to her exhaling her cigarette smoke. Okay, let's go. All right, bye, All everybody. Right. Adios. If these uh, uh, ovaries could talk, they would say, X ovaries out. <laughs>